Let's read together Joshua chapter 19, verse 40. The Bible says, the seventh lot came out for the tribe of the children of Dan according to their families. And the coast of their inheritance was Zorah and Eshtaol and Ershemesh and Shalabin and Agilon and Jethla and Elon and Thimnatuth. Amen. Hopefully your pastor is not going to hold me accountable for how I pronounce these words. And Ekron and Eltika and Gibeathon and Baleth and Jehud and Benibarak and Gathramon and Majarkon and Rekon and with the border before Jaffo. And now we get back to English. And the coast of the children of Dan went out too little for them. Therefore, the children of Dan went up to fight against Leshem and took it and smote it with the edge of the sword and possessed it and dwelt therein and called a man called Leshem Dan after the name of Dan their father. This is the inheritance of the tribe of the children of Dan according to their families, these cities with their villages. Amen. Let's give the Lord just some praise right now. Amen. Lord, we ask you to anoint your word. God, we ask you to anoint these services in the name of Jesus. God, beginning tonight throughout this weekend, Lord, that your word would reign supreme. God, that your word would be spoken and lives would be changed, that mindsets would be transformed in the name of Jesus. God, that the mission of the gospel, God, will be propelled throughout this world and this community through the people of God. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. The Lord bless you. You can be seated. What a great crowd on a Friday night. Amen. Look around. The building is uh, mostly, I mean, what a great crowd for a Friday night. Amen. And uh, I, we, we have tried over the years to have revival services on Friday nights. And I'll just say we didn't get as good a turnout as you all have. I'll just say that way. Amen. What a great crowd. And my prayer leading up to this, uh, being able to come this week is that God would allow me to be effective. Amen. I don't, whether you remember me or not, God would allow me to say something that would influence Amen. That would, that would uh, compel. Amen. That would challenge us. Amen. Both tonight and throughout this weekend. And tonight I want to speak for a few minutes on this thought, defeating insignificance. Amen. Defeating insignificance. And I want to start with kind of an illustration. Uh, every year in the National Football League, in fact, coming up in just a couple of weeks is the event called the draft. And in this event, uh, all 32 of the teams will choose from the top talent in the world. Some of the most elite athletes are going to be chosen in that draft. There are seven rounds of draft picks with over 250 players that are gonna be selected to live out their dreams and play the game that they love for a pretty good paycheck. And how do you agree with that? Pretty good paycheck. I'll, I'll, I'll take one year. If they don't want it, I'll take it. And as the final picks of the draft are made, they get down to that final round and they begin to wind their way down to the final draft pick. The final player that is chosen is somewhat of an afterthought. The player that is taken is, they choose them without any expectation that that player, they don't really expect he'll ever suit up. They don't expect he'll make the final roster, that he'll really even be a part of the team when the season begins. They certainly have no expectation that that player will have a rewarding career. Of such insignificance and lack of importance is this final pick that in 1976, they chose to give this final player that is picked every year the title, Mr. Irrelevant. Amen. How would you like to be called that? Mr. Your wife walks in, is like, hey, Mr. Irrelevant. 
doesn't do much for the confidence there. This player that is dubbed with the dubious distinction of Mr. Irrelevant is sarcastically celebrated. They give him a trophy that is called, instead of the Heisman Trophy, they call it the Lozman Trophy. And instead of the player striking some kind of uh, you know, intimidating pose, it's actually a player fumbling a football. Throughout history of this final draft pick, Mr. Irrelevant will on average not even play one full season. Most of them will never appear in a professional football game. Never in the history of the NFL has Mr. Irrelevant gone on to a Hall of Fame career. Only a handful of them have managed to remain in the league for more than one season. It's not that they're not good enough. They're still among the, set, the, 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 five, the, the two or 300 most elite athletes that the world will ever see. It's not that they are not athletic. It's not that they're not talented. But there's something about being called Mr. Irrelevant. There's something about being given this title of insignif- insignificance that casts a shadow of limitation upon that player. Amen. And while this identity of insignificance is a dreadful distraction of those that are hoping to play and make a career out of the game of football, I would say tonight that this identity of insignificance is of even greater consequence when it comes to living for God. Amen. If the enemy can convince you that what you're doing tonight doesn't make a difference, if the enemy can convince you that your worship doesn't change the atmosphere, If the enemy can convince you that your praise doesn't make a difference, then you've already been defeated. Here in the 19th chapter, Joshua, the successor of the great patriarch Moses, general of the armies of Israel, the overseer of the conquest of Canaan. Here, Joshua concludes the assignment of the promised land to the sons, the tribes of Israel. The allotment of the territories had been initiated by Moses in the 13th chapter when he gave the territories as an inheritance to the tribes of Reuben, Gad, and the half-tribe of Manasseh. Joshua picks up where Moses left off in the 14th chapter when he blesses Caleb. He gives to Caleb Hebron, the mountain, as an inheritance. The next six chapters as we continue reading would chronicle as Joshua consigns the land of promise to the remaining tribes of Israel. He begins with Judah and then Ephraim, then down to Benjamin, on to the tribe of Simeon, Zebulun, so on and so forth. He makes his way through the tribes of Israel, giving each of them their inheritance until finally at long last he comes to the final draft pick, if you would. He comes to the one tribe remaining, that being the tribe of Dan. Amen. And if it would seem to you tonight that this final allocation is just consequence, that it just was Dan, maybe he just drew that name out of the hat last. Amen. That I would tell you tonight that that is not the case. Dan was a tribe that was marked by insignificance. Amen. It was a tribe that was used to being the final draft pick. They were used to this title of irrelevance. When you think of the tribes of Israel, If tonight I were to ask you for a million dollars, name a tribe of Israel, most of us probably would not say Dan. Probably the one on most of our minds would be Judah, the most famous tribe. Why? Because out of the tribe of Judah 
come the names of men like Caleb and David, Solomon, and of course, Messiah, Jesus Christ. Amen. Judah is the preeminent tribe. Maybe it would be the tribe of Issachar, whom the Bible tells us in 1 Chronicles that the sons of Issachar were men who had wisdom of their time. The Levitical tribe were familiar with the, the tribe of the Levites. They were the ones who ministered, the priesthood who ministered before the Lord, boasting great and mighty names like Moses, Aaron, John the Baptist, and even into the New Testament, Barnabas. The tribes of Ephraim and Manasseh, we might name them, those being the sons of Joseph. But there's not a lot noble about the tribe of Dan. There's not a lot that we could look back in history and say Dan was great at this or they were significant in this matter. They had very little that distinguished them among the other tribes of Israel. If we were to look into the wilderness narrative as the tribes are being formed and their, their heritage and inheritance is being crafted, there's only a few names coming from the tribe of Dan that are mentioned. One is a name, Aholiab. Amen. Aholiab, the Bible, all it has to say about Aholiab is that he was one of the craftsmen of the tabernacle. Amen. By the way, what a beautiful edifice. What a beautiful building you have here tonight. Aren't you? Thank God that you have gifted craftsmen. Amen. Your pastor was telling me that you all worked together to build this building. I say kudos to you. Amen. We built a building. I say we, we did not. We outsourced it to a company there in our community because if I would have been in charge of building, it, I don't, it, it would be a disaster. I, I, can't, I can barely even build, amen, a plate of food to, for myself to eat. I, I am not a builder. But Aholiab, back to my sermon, Aholiab, amen, was mentioned in the scripture. And the only thing notable about Aholiab was that he was a craftsman. He was somebody who built the furnishings that were within the tabernacle. Leviticus chapter 24 mentions another man that it tells us was out of the tribe of Dan. And the only thing it says about this man is that he blasphemed God, not really something you want to be known for. The only name tonight that, that we could lift from the scripture and say that was a great man. That's a man that we all would know who he is would be the man named Samson, who was one of the men who judged Israel during the time of the judges. But even Samson, we know his end, he is deceived by Delilah. And the end of his story, sadly, is that his greatest victory was in his death and not in his life. Amen. And, and, and so there's not really much about Dan that stands out to us. They, they don't have great names like David and they don't have great men like Aaron coming out of the tribe of Dan. There's not much significant about the tribe of Dan. And if that's not enough, every time that Moses or Joshua would say it's time for Israel to march and they would begin to line up and they would always line up one tribe at a time. And usually it was Judah at the front of the pack leading them forward. But every single time it was Dan that brought up the rear. Dan was always the last pick. Dan was always the one marching last. Amen. We would read in Judges chapter 5 after Deborah and Barak have led Israel in victory over a seemingly undefeatable Sisera and his iron chariots. Deborah asked the question. She says, where was Dan when we needed him? Dan, why did you remain in the ships when we were fighting this battle? You see, even in a moment when Dan could have risen to the occasion, Dan was the last draft pick. Dan was nowhere to be found. Uh, amen. At one time, the historians would tell us that Dan was the second largest tribe of Israel. 
But as we follow time along, they say by the time of Ezra, Dan was almost completely diminished. And that is what insignificance will do to you. That is what the enemy convincing you that what you do in the kingdom of God is insignificant and irrelevant to you. You may start out strong. You may have great ambitions. You might have great desire to do something for the, for the kingdom of God. But if the enemy can convince you that your praise doesn't matter, that your worship doesn't matter, that your giving doesn't make a difference, then over time, slowly, your faith will begin to erode until there is nothing left. Insignificance. How many of you have the enemy has ever attacked you with this lie of insignificance? Come on, he's told you that you don't matter. He's told you that if you stop coming to church, nobody would miss you. No, that, oh, I guess that only happens in Maryland. Amen. How many, how many folks over the years have stopped coming and I go and visit them and they say, well, nobody misses me anyhow. That's, that's, that, that's the lie of insignificance. Amen. The enemy will take somebody who is a dynamic worshiper and turn them into a pew sitter if he can just convince them that their worship is insignificant. Amen. Because insignificance is an attack from the enemy that paralyzes potential. insignificance leads us to live beneath our purpose amen below our calling amen we are led to believe that our actions have little impact whether we serve the Lord or not the enemy gets us to believe that it really doesn't make a difference whether you come to church or not doesn't really matter amen if we pray or if we don't who really cares because our prayers don't make a difference can I tell you the difference between a prayer warrior and a prayer pretender the difference is just, it's not that one person uses better words or better verbiage. Amen. The difference is one person is convinced that their prayers make a difference and the other is convinced their prayers don't make a difference. If you would just begin to believe that every time I call on the name of Jesus, something happens. Every time I bow my knee and I pray, something happens. Every time I lift my hands and I call upon the name of the Lord, I may not see it, I may not feel it, but something happens every time I pray. The enemy says our worship doesn't impact the atmosphere anyhow in a weekend that we have dedicated to missions and evangelism. If the enemy can convince you that your giving and your going are insignificant, what will happen is you will cease to sacrifice. Can I tell you that missions, what missionaries are able to do is only possible because the local church says we're gonna get behind that. Amen, because good people that are in this building tonight say, you know what, we're gonna get behind that and I'm gonna give, amen, it may not be much, but I'm gonna give what I, and it's when the good people of God get together and like that widow who said, all I've got is two mites, but I'm gonna give it unto the Lord, amen. And when we begin to do that, great things happen. I want you to know it's not about the amount that you give, it's about the spirit that you give with. It's about having an understanding that everything I do for the kingdom of God makes a difference. Amen, but if the enemy can convince you, amen, that, that your sacrifice, that your giving is insignificant, then your giving will decrease and your going will decease. If the enemy can convince the modern church 
that what we do here tonight doesn't really matter, that, that the money that we give to missions and the sacrifices that we make to reach our local community, if he can convince us that they don't matter, what will happen, our giving will decrease and our going will decease. But I came tonight to let the devil know that I believe every time I put a dollar in the offering plate to go to missions, it makes a difference. Amen. Every time I knock on a door, every time I invite somebody to church, it makes a difference. We're not going to decrease. We're going to increase. We're not going to decease. Amen. We're going to go. We're going to go like we, amen. We read the scripture earlier from Mark. Amen. That we're going to go into all the world. If you believe that, why don't you just wave your hand? Amen. Or clap your hands. Amen. Do something. Come on. What you're doing right now makes a difference. What we're doing on a Friday night makes a difference. The only thing going on in this community tonight that makes a difference is what's happening in this room right now. Amen. This week I listened to Pastor Tuttle's message that he preached here last year. The title, Nameless Faces. How many of you remember that message? What a powerful message. But do you know why his family was willing to leave behind everything? His dad, who was in the middle of a prosperous real estate uh, um, career beginning to unfold, why was he willing to leave that? Why was he willing to leave a family behind? Why was he willing to do all of that? Why? Because they believed what they were doing was making a difference. But when we stop believing that what we do makes a difference, we stop sacrificing. We stop giving. We stop going. But I came tonight to remind somebody everything you do in the kingdom of God makes a difference. It's not time to stop. It's time to go. Going into all the world and preaching the gospel to every creature will only be done when we believe that our going and our preaching is making a difference. The subtle jab of the enemy during COVID when churches were shut down. But do you remember what they titled the people that could still go to work? Anybody remember the title they gave them? Essential. Churches, no. You can't go to church. You can go to the essential places. What was the enemy sending a message that church is not essential? The message, it, it, it might have seemed like it was a sleight of hand, but it was an uppercut. It was an intended uppercut by the enemy. Amen. It was a message to the church that coming together and worshiping God is not essential. Uh, and preaching the gospel is insignificant. Uh, amen. The enemy was saying to the church that your faith is not essential. Uh, but I came to tell River of Life tonight, uh, amen, that church is essential. Uh, that the kingdom of God is essential. Every sacrifice you make for the kingdom of God matters. Every prayer you pray for a lost soul, it makes an impact. The Bible is full of examples of men and women that accomplished great things, but only after they first won victory over insignificance. David, do you all know David battled insignificance? How about when your own dad calls every other son to go stand before the prophet, but not you. 
He didn't even mention that he had a son out there tending to the sheep. He called all the, amen, I'm I'm talking about the insignificance of rejection. Uh, But what happened one chapter later, David walked out onto a battlefield and brought down a giant. Why? Because he made a decision that I'm not going to let insignificance stop me. Uh, I'm going to overcome insignificance. Somebody tonight, you need to get beyond, amen, the insignificance of rejection. uh, Because there's a giant standing somewhere waiting on you. Uh, Amen, you might feel like you've been overlooked you might feel like you've been let down but I'm telling you you've got to get over that because there's a Goliath that is standing on a battlefield somewhere that is waiting for you how many giants are still on battlefields tonight taunting the kingdom of God because somebody's sitting in the pew dealing with insignificance you need to rise up and serve notice to the enemy that I'm not insignificant I may have been overlooked but I've still got an anointing on me Amen. Somebody, somebody may have overlooked me, but God hasn't forgotten about me. Amen. God knows right where I'm at. He sees what I'm going through. He's got his hand on me. How about Rahab? Before she was ever mentioned in Hebrews 11 as a hero of faith, first she had to overcome the stigma of being a harlot from Jericho, the insignificance of a reputation. We can walk into church and God have great plans for us, but we never step into it because we're dealing with a past reputation. Amen. But I'm so thankful that Rahab stepped beyond a reputation and said, I'm not insignificant. Amen. I may have come out of Jericho and I may have a reputation, but I'm not insignificant. I matter. God's got a plan for my life. Tell your neighbor, you matter. Come on, tell somebody beside you, you matter. Tell them we need you. We need your worship. Amen. We need you. We need you in the kingdom. Amen. On a Friday night, River of Life, we need every one of you. I don't care what your past looks like. We need you. Amen. I don't care what you're dealing with. We need you. How about Gideon? The angel shows up, calls him mighty man of valor, and Gideon starts reminding God of how worthless he is. I'm from the least tribe and I'm the youngest one. I'm a nobody. God had to give Gideon two supernatural signs after an angel showed up. God had to give him two more supernatural signs before Gideon would even begin to believe that God had a plan for him. Gideon was dealing with insecurity. Amen. But Gideon, how many of you know Gideon got beyond that? Amen. And he led a group of just a few hundred men to take down an entire army. And I'm telling somebody in this place tonight that's wrestling with insignificance, you need to get up in the spirit of God and rise up and go over that spirit of insignificance because God has a victory for you. The war of insignificance can be won. No matter how much the enemy tells you that you don't matter, you do. No matter how much he tries to convince you that your prayers don't make a difference, they do. Why do you think the enemy spends so much time trying to convince us that their prayers don't make a difference? Because he knows that we're one prayer away from the enemy's kingdom coming down. Amen, he knows that if the church ever gets united in prayer, amen, if the people of God ever get united in prayer, the devil's kingdom doesn't stand a chance. I don't care if it comes out of Wall Street, if it comes out of the White House, I don't care where it comes from, amen, 
the kingdom of God is more powerful than the kingdoms of wealth. They're more powerful than the political kingdoms of this world. Amen. Come on, David. David, you might have been skipped over, but there's a giant out there that needs to be conquered. Uh, Amen. Come on, Rahab. I know you're dealing with the reputation, uh, but there's still a Messiah in your lineage. Uh, Amen. Gideon, how many miracles do you need God to do in your life uh, before you'll rise up and be the deliverer that God has called you to be? I wish we could raise our hands right now toward heaven. Come on, I'm not the only one. I I know every one of you, the enemy has come against you. The enemy is whispering in your ear that you're the final draft pick. Amen, that nobody even cares about you, that you're a nobody, that you got no power in your prayers. But on this Friday night, we're gonna serve notice to the kingdom of hell. We're gonna serve notice to the enemy. Amen, my prayers are powerful. Amen, the weapons of my warfare are powerful. to the pulling down of strongholds. So we come to this tribe of Dan. Everywhere they march, they're the last in line. They're the last ones picked for kickball or ice hockey, I guess, when we're in Minnesota. They're, They're the last draft pick. They got no notable names in their lineage except Samson who messed up in the the conclusion. They're feeling overlooked and underappreciated, but something happens in the 19th chapter of Joshua to this tribe of Dan who's battled with insignificance all of their existence. Amen. But something happens in the 19th chapter of Joshua because the Bible says as Joshua gives them kind of the leftovers of the inheritance, he gives them the little piece of land that's left. Amen. And that little tribe of Dan who's just used to be in the final draft pick and they're just used to taking whatever's given to them and, oh, I guess it will be good enough. But finally something got into the tribe of Dan because the author of Joshua said that Dan stood up and said, no, this this place is too little for me. In other words, I'm tired of settling for insignificance. I'm tired of settling for hand-me-downs. I'm tired of being the last draft pick. Amen. Dan stood up and said, we're not going to stay here. Amen. This place that you've given us is not big enough. God's got bigger plans for me than where I'm at right now. I wish somebody would get a little Dan in your spirit tonight. Amen. I wish somebody would make up in your mind where I'm at right now is not where I'm going to be a year from now. Where I'm at right now is not where I'm going to be six months from now. God has more for me. The preacher can't say it for you. Dan Dan had to stand up and say it. Joshua didn't say it for Dan. Dan stood up and said, no, no, no. I'm tired of being the last draft pick, the last guy in line, the leftovers no longer. I'm not settling for this. I'm going to get more. And the Bible says, amen, that Dan began to go up and they they drove out the enemy and they possessed more land. Amen. You want to know how we reach the world? When every person in this building says, my coast is not great enough. When every person in this room tonight says, you know what, where I've been dwelling spiritually is not enough, I'm gonna take more territory. Amen, I'm gonna expand my prayers just a little bit. I'm gonna sacrifice a little bit more than I have. I'm gonna worship a little more than I have. I'm gonna give a little, and if everybody in this church will do that, I'm telling you, God is gonna give you an inheritance. God is gonna give us 
a land, amen, that is greater than what we thought God could give us. Don't get used to marching last in line. We don't have to settle for that. The Bible says we're, God's going to make us the head and not the tail. Amen. We got to stop settling for being the last in line. Don't settle for insignificance. Something rose up in that tribe of Dan. And finally, the tribe of Dan decided that I'm not going to remain in a place of insignificance, that I'm not going to stay here any longer, but I'm going to take territory and I'm going to expand my borders. I wonder, could we stand together on this Friday night? And I want us to raise our hands. I don't know which mindset that I called out tonight you're dealing with. Some of you are here tonight. The enemy's been telling you that, that you don't really make a difference in this church. Amen. You've got a great pastor. I can tell the, the way he loves you all. Amen. Sitting with him at dinner tonight, the way he talked about this church, the way he greeted you. Amen. One thing I am, I, I, I watch people and I can tell your pastor loves you and your pastor's wife and family, they love you all. But that doesn't stop the enemy from getting down in your ear and whispering and, and saying you don't matter here. Amen. Some of you might be dealing with rejection. Amen. You might, you might be dealing with things, amen, outside of this church. You might be dealing, amen, with the reputation. Amen. But whatever it is right now, we're going to stand up like the tribe of Dan, uh, and we're going to serve notice to the enemy that we're expanding our territory. Uh, we're taking a step beyond our borders and our boundaries. Uh, I'm not settling for devil. You're a liar. I'm not insignificant. I matter. <laughs> devil, you're a liar. My prayers are not weak. They're powerful. <laughs> devil, you're a liar. My worship is not insignificant. It changes the atmosphere. Hallelujah. I wonder, can we just do that right now? Expand that, app, that, that boundary a little bit. Come on. God, God is going to do great things through this local assembly. But we've got to defeat. We've got to give victory over insignificance. Amen. Stop letting the enemy intimidate you out of your prayers by telling you that they don't make a difference. They, they absolutely make a difference. Hallelujah. Every time you say hallelujah, you're joining in with angels. Every time you declare that God is holy, you're joining in with a host of angels. Amen. Every time you raise your voice and praise unto him, you join in with all of creation that glorifies the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. What a mighty God we serve. The Bible says and the musicians could come. The Bible says this at the conclusion. After Dan rose up and they went and took territory. After, everybody say after. It says this is the inheritance of the tribe of Dan. Now they could have given to them the leftovers that they got to begin with. They could have given them that little piece of land that Joshua gave them. That could have been what they handed to their children. That could have been their inheritance. But that wasn't it. It was after Dan rose up. How many of you want to give your children, how many of you want the next generation in this church to have a great revival? A great revival. Not, not just a good revival, a great revival. Well, we, we're going to decide tonight what kind of revival, what kind of, amen, what kind of church we're going to give to the next generation that's coming up in this church by what we do, amen, by when we, ex I don't want them to have what I've got right now. I want them to have what I'm getting ready to take, amen. I'm getting ready to increase. I'm getting ready to expand. 
we raise our hands together if you I don't